Thanks for tuning in to Different is Good, where we come together to encourage parents, teachers, administrators, and especially those with neurodifferences to come to understand that, that being neurodifferent is indeed good. So we kind of feel like once we accept, not kind of, we definitely feel as though once we accept and understand these gifts and strengths, that everyone's empowered. So uh, Trish Cook is here, and so is um, Lauren. Den oh gosh, Deloney, uh, you know I know you so well now. <laughs> I'm like, this is my neuro difference. First name, please, starts with an L. Laurel. Is that crazy? Not crazy. Laurel. All right, so now here's it how I'm going to know it forever. Okay, here's, here's how I'm going to know it forever, Laurel. LL. L in the beginning, L at the end, Laurel. That's crazy. Yeah. I wanted to call Not you crazy. Lauren. It's very Laura, common. Laurel. Okay, so anyway, moving on. Different is good, right? And in the past, we'd be all like, oh my goodness, I messed up in the very beginning. And then you condemn yourself and feel terrible. So no, no, that is not something um, that benefits us. And we just recognize it and move on, give grace and move on. Because I know Laurel's not um, condemning me. I know she's not. <laughs> um, but um, today we're going to take a stab at explaining the many facets of neurodifferences. So we have Trish Cook here, who is the founder of My Albert. Um, Trish, tell us your background real quick. Okay. Well, I was diagnosed in 1983 um, with CAPD and a severe learning disability. So a lot of things, being that was so long ago, a lot of things got unnoticed, undiagnosed, and that's just fine. But right now, I'd like to label myself neurodivergent. Not have a neurodiversity in auditory and visual, along with being neurodivergent. That's really, and no, it's kind of complicated, but um, that that's how I like it. To yeah, be so that's your, so really that's your, your, yeah, that that's you in a nutshell. Yeah, and all of that difference is amazingly good because all of the good that you're pouring out into the world and all of the people and the children and the teachers that you're helping understand uh, that different is good. But one of the things that you feel so very uh, passionate about is to get our listeners to understand what the why behind it, what is it to be neurodifferent? So again, we're gonna take a stab at um, trying to help the listeners understand the difference, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But before um, we head into that, I just wanna say that my name is uh, Linda Coyle. I am a special education teacher in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And um, I am in the uh, position to be um, sharing my Albert, uh, which is a program that, that helps the whole child. And last episode, we talked about the fact that we could celebrate a lot so far that we laid the foundation of um, what it's like to do some assessments, checklists to find out what their strengths and weaknesses are and gifts. We laid the foundation for team building right up to uh, the winter break. We realized that um, we have uh, another component that needs to be addressed and that is their sleep, school to home connection, trying to help the parents understand 
that their sleep is extremely important. A lot of my kids are staying up too late gaming. Uh, they also are not eating correctly. I reached out, like I said I was going to, to a lot of uh, special ed groups uh, asking for wisdom and knowledge and help regarding um, how to implement that part and how to get help and how to get funding to pay for the revamping of a classroom that I think needs to happen. Uh, but in addition to sharing all of that journey, we also are here to help others um, share their story, their journey. So when we first started the podcast, um, we wanted listeners to know um, our story, right? And when we shared our story, it empowered us to and helped us understand um, our differences, which in when you understand it and accept it, so much opens up. And so that's what we want to um, offer. So if there's any listeners out there where you feel after we explain the differences between, um, I mean, what neuro difference is and all of the components of it. If you find that, you know what, I think I, I might be neuro different, um, reach out to us and uh, let us know if you wanna find a way to share your story so you feel empowered and, um, and uh, help yourself, number one, and then anybody else that you come across, right? So I hope that made sense. <laughs> so um, anyway, so we have Laurel Deloney uh, here, who also is uh, neuro different. And do you want to share, Laurel, like where um, are you are in, in a neuro difference? Are you on the spectrum? Um, yeah. Yes. So you're on the spectrum as far as um, autism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very high right. functioning. Um, high functioning. Yes. And I, I mean, I think one thing that I've realized is that, and it's something that I've read that is very typical with females with autism is that there's a lot of masking, um, what they call masking, and, you know, trying to figure out how to fit in um, and you know, I mean, seeing what, what everybody else considers normal and then trying to be that person, um, you know, and not being, so, I mean, be, you know, masking what my symptoms are uh, so that, that I appear normal and not, you know, follow the social cues and, uh, you know, what the social norms are, um, which is very tiring at times. Yes. Um, so, that is very trying. So that brings us to, um, so this is what I love about this podcast. So really it's just girlfriends coming together and having a, just a simple conversation, you know, based on what's coming up. And so to me, I think that that's the, um, the beauty of this, of for you to share um, raw, right? How, how it feels to be a person with, with autism that you feel like you have to fit into a box. But what we're trying to um, let the listeners know is that being different is good and that there's a reason that you are born um, this way, right? There's a reason why I have dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, um, all of this dis, 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 it sounds so negative. 
but really we have come to to realize that we are this way because we are here to help others and so that's our purpose that's our purpose in life and so once we come to terms and embraced our um quote unquote disability it's really an ability um, to help others and there's nothing better than that like they always say oh you're sad guess what go help somebody and watch what happens so it's a gift and we're we're very grateful for our neuro differences yeah so any struggle you know everybody's got their struggle but any struggle once you've overcome and accept it and you come to terms with it and you heal it then yes to turn around with compassion that's the true the true need to want to make the difference to help somebody else it only brings you also more healing on top of healing you know so yeah like you said very glad we have this podcast yeah and so i thank you trish for taking the time um, when you consult with teachers and you're, you're doing your training um, out of the goodness of your heart, um, I, again, teach full time. So it's difficult for me, obviously, to be on um, the training. So I listen back and I take notes. And so thank you, because I continue to, to get to know myself even more through your wonderful ability to explain the difference. So like any learner, it's beneficial to listen and take notes and then ask questions along the way. So I'm going to do my best at um, sharing what it was that Trish shared in her training. Um, and so she broke out neurodiversity and sometimes she calls it neurodiverse. And so do I. Um, and in order to best understand, we're, we're going to break it out into different components. And Trish is going to um, chime in. And so uh, so is uh, Laurel, if she uh, sees, you know, hey, you know, let me add to, to that because I have knowledge in this area. Okay, so, um, so we have the academic part. So we have an umbrella of neurodiversity, right? And to the left, we could say we have the academic component. And under the academic component, we have dyslexia, right? We have dyscalculia which I didn't spell right. And that's my, uh, my dyslexia. And I'm okay with that. So long as you understand, right? Um, so sometimes I, I wonder if I have that because it, a lot of it has to do with some early trauma that I had. Dad, sorry, if you're listening mm -hmm. down from heaven. But when you were in your Barca lounger and mommy was doing the... Um, the dishes and you know she had she has seven kids that she was tending to and I know that you worked full time but you would like sit down in the Barca lounger and you know you would what be watching the news right and you were just trying to decompress from your day I understand but when mommy told me to come to you with my math problem and um I was distracted because of my ADHD um my ADD I never had the hyper part um, and, um, you, uh, told you kind of stuck your finger and like hit me in the head and you're not abusive, but you did that that day. You did that. And you told me pay attention. Right. So I got scared. And then 
I, um, I just remember that day that that was the day that I told myself that I am not good enough. I'm not smart because my daddy doesn't believe I'm smart. He is mad at me because I can't focus on this math problem. So understanding that it's sometimes we just have a story in our head because recently I'm starting to break down uh, teaching math in a way that makes sense to my kids and myself. And I'm realizing that I, I may not have that, that had someone taken the time to sit with me and first and foremost, love me for what I was and wasn't and told me that everything's going to be okay. We just need to spend a little extra time on this. Be patient, right? And so my dad didn't pull me into the dining room and shut off the TV. He just was aggravated that I was interrupting him. I think, I don't know, but that's, that's what happened. So, so anyway, that, that really helped me understand and make me think like, okay, I dug a little deeper with my healing and realized that that's probably just a story in my head that I, I may not have that. Um, and then just well, you probably you oh. could, you could, we know, um, not spring chickens or not. We've been, you know, my diagnosis was 1983. They didn't know much. The definition of LD, learning disabled, which I was initially labeled with, um, we came around 1975. So that that label itself was only, well, how many years is that? Eight years old. So that's what I'm saying. I'd like for it to be now named neurodiversity with auditory and visual along with a neurodivergency for Correct. most people. Because I think if we looked at yours, we, and I, I'm not we started to assess yours. It doesn't matter. You already have some diagnostics going on. We, we're figuring things out. Most importantly, we're figuring out your gifts and strengths, okay? But uh, but I think that uh, I do need to say that where you are on the visual will be much more severe or higher than your auditory. And then in, I would be different. My auditory would be much more severe than my visual, you see? So there, everybody's different within with under this umbrella, you know? And but I've, the empowerment of knowing. Mm, it's it's yeah. so empowering to know and accept. It is. Yeah. It sure is. I mean, what the day that I was reading Sally Shaywitz's um, The Gift of Dyslexia, because I was in search of trying to help my, my son. Um, and we received a diagnosis of dyslexia. And I, that's when I was... Um, when I realized, oh, wow, this is, this is exactly me. And it was so empowering because I was like, I'm not stupid. I don't need to be, feel shame around this. I just needed to be taught in a different way. And wow, what, a, what an awakening that was, which brings us to why we are so passionate about helping those who have similar differences because if you don't understand it and you don't embrace it you're going to be stifled and frozen right in time so um so anyway moving on dysgraphia Ugh. as a school teacher i hate writing on the whiteboard it's like pull down push up and around and and i'm, I'm trying to teach cursive um, the um, 
you know, that cursive is like you were saying, Trish, soft on the mind and soft on the hand, right? And fluid, yeah, fluid on the hand, and you fluid. see that it's soft, which is interesting because you're probably visualizing it and it's rather soft, isn't it? But it was, yes. see the language there gotcha a little bit. Because how many times have you heard me say cursive, fluid on the mind, it's fluid on the hand, and vice versa? So that's, uh huh, yeah. Um, and then Definitely dyspraxia. Language. I forget what yeah. dyspraxia is. Yeah. So dyspraxia affects more of your coordination and movement, either fine or gross. But it also has a lot to do with organization and capabilities to sequence and categorize. Um, so it's oh, a little bit okay. more than dyslexia. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would like to be actually labeled neurodiversity with auditory visual with some a language component and fine motor skill, but uh, not gross. See, my gross isn't affected, just my fine, see? And I do have sensory integration problems, right? Yeah, the so the fine is definitely me. Fine is definitely me, because gross, it's like I was a good no, my dancer. Gross good. Yeah, see, but if it's just, if it's dyspraxia, it's gonna be more of fine and gross. So that's why I always ask parents, a lot about fines to see if we want to go for a dysgraphia diagnosis and see if you want to go seek out a specialist with that. Or do you want, or if it's fine and gross, is it, we need to go see somebody for dyspraxia. See what I'm saying? Okay. Um, oh, there you go. Wow. So I see, I'm, I love, I just, I'm always learning. Um, Okay, so then we we went into um, there's other things that affect our learning, right? And so on the other side of the umbrella, we can say, oh no, you have it on the left side. Doesn't matter what side. That um, there's other things that affect our learning. We might also oh, executive have functioning. AD, okay, executive functioning. Executive you said, yeah. That just reminded yeah, me. You that. said, oh, you have it on the left. And I've had it on the left the whole time and you said it was on the left. Then you go, oh, it's okay. It's on the left. See, so your executive functioning uh, missed you there. And of course, look, I spelled it wrong. <laughs> so uh -huh. can't spell it, but executive okay. functioning. Well, yeah. Um, so ADHD um, is another area that could affect our learning, right? right. And autism, all that goes with um, autism. And mm -hmm. the psychological, I thought that, you know, we definitely can't forget about that, the oppositional defiancy disorder. Um, so are there other examples, Trish, of psychological um, other than ODD? There are, there are plenty psychological ones. The biggest one that I see is borderline personality disorder. It comes along with um, having overexcitabilities where the brain overfires in some areas because of deficiencies and other deficiencies in others. So you'll see the emotions going on a roller coaster, going from Okay, Dan Dan has a student just like this. He just Yes, yes. That's the biggest his one. personality. So you can call it emotional intensity if you want. Um, but it's basically um you it's like you're going from anger to to happiness to to the sadness to shame that's him and i'm not jumping everywhere with your emotions yes and you think about it i've been writing a lot about uh bpd because think about it if you're having learning with trauma right 
So you've got a, a um, genetic component for it to be triggered. And then it's turned on because you're having learning with trauma due to having dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, dyspraxia, possibly ADHD, autism, Erlen syndrome. You're, uh, so along with, don't forget the sensory integration problems and the executive functioning problems, right? So then of course your, your, um, your whole, your frontal lobe is not using its, its form of logic from your executive functioning. And also your ACC, your anterior, I don't know, I knew not to say it, but it's not reappraising your emotions. So it's just your emotions are everywhere. And also your hippocampus is not into the correct time and space. You don't know where you belong in there. So your sequencing, your categorizing, your motions, your short-term memory are all off. So of course, how can I not be writing a lot lately about emotional intensity and BP? That's also part of BPD. Borderline okay, so when you do the, so yeah, okay, borderline personality, personality disorder. disorder. Not to be confused so, with multiple personalities. Can we make a note that I would love for us to um, help the listeners in that area? I don't have any students like that. But there are teachers out there that yeah, I think you do. are That's experiencing why I'm making this. awareness. No, I think you do. Because if they okay. have these things, they could have experiencing, been experienced, not in your class, learning with trauma. So they do. You're just not, just not knowing what to look for yet. That's why I keep on putting okay. things up there on it. But you probably okay. Know. I understand. So what I hear you saying is that maybe it's internal on them. They're not expressing yes. it outwardly. Okay. Yes. Anger, but, shame. Anger, but when shame. you have, when you have, um, like my husband's a special needs teacher as well, and he has severe and profound children, and he has a child that is presenting outwardly borderline personality disorder. Yes. Um, okay. So that the reason I say, can we do a whole episode on that at some point yes. is because there are, what do you do with the child like that in the classroom? So that's going to be a whole other episode. Uh, another episode. Wow. That would be great. Um, okay. So, uh, now within the differences, it's best to assess, uh, for, for us as neurodiverse, as well as educators and spend time learning whether we have it or they have it because it's empowering again. Right. So in addition to that, we can dig a little deeper and find out, uh, do we have a visual processing disorder? Do we have an auditory processing disorder? Do we have a language processing disorder? Um, DISPD, I didn't know what that stood for. Did I type that wrong? Oh, oh Sensory oh. processing disorder. Oh, so maybe the DI, I typed wrong. So okay. sensory, sensory processing is SPD. Okay. And then the social ability um, is important too. That's what Laurel, I think, was referring to. Um, her socially feeling like where do I fit fit in socially um yeah the social emotional as you know it's need to, to be looked at through looking at their gifts strengths interests and doing checking to see if they've already have anger and shame where it you know the variance of it fluctuating and what it's going to look like so how anger appears is totally different than how shame appears yes in the classroom it's going uh, it, to, I need to say it all again. We say it every single time, but 
Yes, but it's so important. More outward, more, and then shame is more inward. But, mm. but I mean, I think so um, for the listeners to understand, um, just to sum up, we're just trying to get the why behind, um, you know, why we need to understand what neurodifference is, right? So today's episode is all about what neurodiversity is. And that at this point, we can celebrate. We can celebrate that uh, we have really come far as educators instead of just saying the vague diagnosis that, oh, they have a learning disability, right? Um, We can, uh, and or other health impaired. We can dig in a little deeper if we take that time in the beginning to really assess our students and get to know them on all levels, right? Um, But if you are neurodiverse, you you tend to be, Also, in addition to like all of that, right, here's how it presents itself. We can be hyper or hyposensitive. I think, Trish, would you agree that you and I are hyper? um, I would like to know um, if Laurel is sensitive to others. Um, I think she is. And ourselves, she's very empathetic like us. I think that she probably has um, like the gift of intuitive. I know she does. I just know she does. <laughs> She's intuitive she... about you being intuitive. There we go. <laughs> yes. Well, we uh, know we're empath- you're empathetic. That's what drew me to, you know, work with you. I just feel it, you know. You were um, yes. Both I could feel it through. It's crazy. Feel it's through crazy. the screen, right? Um, Divergent thinkers. Um, I'm not sure what I am in this area. Opposite of what most people have is convergent thinking. So divergent and convergent. I'm not sure as a learner what where I am in that area. So I would like at some point to dig a little deeper and figure that out about myself. And then once I understand myself, I'll be able to understand my my children a little more, my students. Um, So um, moving forward, you know, well, convergent, you really helped me out in that area. That's more the regular scientific theory, thinking that way, the steps to that. Um, Yep, Yep, that's correct. uh, We tend to see the whole part whole. um, And I'm trying to apply that to my life and the lives of my students. Um, we think out of the box. I'm the queen of that. I think that I know that because if I was ever in trouble, I was so good at problem solving. Like I would think completely different than anybody else would ever think. Well, I would never think to do that. It was like, yep, I'm definitely a problem solver. And I think out of the box. No, my thinking is always in what is everybody else doing? Okay. I'm not doing that. (laughs) And right. that gets you in trouble in school now. Don't think it can. It actually did. <laughs> right. Um, we, subjective feelings. Um, future, we think conceptually and in 3D. Right. And we're non-linear. Non-linear. Yeah, I want to talk so about that, that today. Mean, I didn't, I didn't yeah. mention it to you. I'm sorry. Let me finish and, this. Um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so uh yes so subjective thinking we base our 
our observations are based off evaluation, color, shape, size, dimension, chant, meter, rhyme, pattern. So it's all that we, we see in our minds, basically. So we see these conceptual thoughts into our mind. So we're gonna get them out in language, it's only gonna be in lists. Like you better believe we've been forced to speak in whole phrases or sentences to get these things out to express yes. what we're seeing to others, right? But what we care about more is subjective things, uh, like feelings. We care more about when I would read a story, I'd pay more attention to what the character was feeling than what I was supposed to be knowing about it. Like, where where did this happen? What year did it happen? I didn't care about all that. I cared about that, that character's feeling. And boy, did that get me in trouble with comprehension, right? And future, I was thinking, how am I gonna help this lady? I'm not thinking about all these details in the story. I'm thinking about this lady, you know? And so um, now I wanna make a, I don't know that word I was gonna say, caveat to that or something. <clears throat> so I noticed that it was getting me in trouble, the fact that I was caring too much for feelings and future. So I try to access more of my left side of my brain to be able to analyze and break things down, right? So how I learned to do it is through mind mapping. Mind mapping in my, I had to do it physically out and then I do it now in my head. So I didn't like either that I uh, think non-linearly, non-linearly, that everything mm -hmm. is just scattered in the whole picture into my mind, right? So uh, I actually mind do- Mind mapping. Yes, mind mapping. Look it up, Google it, guys. It's gonna change your, rock your world. It's gonna be able to have you take that visual image that you're seeing and breaking it down visually so you can then explain it to other people. So I see now something that is linear into a mind map in my head that looks like a continuum going up like this that I'm showing only the YouTube people can see. So I can break things down that I'm seeing this way. It's so funny, then I can express it in a logical way that makes sense to people. But it still comes from feelings, future, observations, evaluations. Don't think it isn't. It's still coming from there. But then here I've adapted by being able to put it onto this continuum in my head to express it. So that means for me to tell you is I can care about facts and functions and forms, which is the analysis of the left side, as long as it has to do with my interest. <laughs> So luckily right. with age, my interest has built and really gone up. When you're a child, your interest is, is the few things that you find excitement with. Legos, dinosaurs. I had, when I was young, I had all the different dinosaurs memorized. I had all the different types of animal breeds recognized, right? So it usually does have to do with people, animals, and nature. But luckily with age, my interest has grown. That makes teaching adults easier teaching me easier um and now with adaptation of being able to put into a mind map that i can actually use the academic size effects forms and functions what did i do here i did a repetition of a word in the middle position that was my dyslexia did y'all see that yes okay repetition of a word in the middle position but anyway you can do it a letter or word or even part of a sentence uh but anyway so uh yeah, facts, facts written, written. Yeah, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah. 
yeah. effects, forms, and, and functions. But yeah. so what I hear you saying is that um, if we do the initial assessments and we find out the gifts and strengths uh, and we base our teaching on their interests and we address the fact that we think in list forms and we introduce mind mapping that we should be off and running, that our kids' um, needs uh, should be met and they should grow emotionally, physically, and mentally throughout a day. If we, if we lay our- As long as you get them to trust themselves. So you got to put them in a very safe and safe environment that they've haven't maybe have gotten to experience before. Right. And so I I think um, in in summation here, I I do want to leave the listeners with, um, uh, I get emotional thinking about it. When I've had my one autistic student for two and a half years, on Friday, we sat together and he shared his life with me. 18 solid minutes of him telling me about his life um, in his house as a the only son in the house and he's got three sisters and these birds that one came together with another neighbor's bird and now there's seven and he told me all their names and their personalities and mm-hmm. the vocabulary that came out of this and he was so smooth in his speaking when in the past he would constantly be stimming and oh, stumbling over his words and always go oh, oh I meant to say you know and he was just so confident and so I'm going to toot my horn and say I know it came from him finally feeling safe and not judged and me constantly telling him, it's okay, you're good, right? And so at the end, I just said, can I just thank you? Thank you for sharing your life with me. Now, I just am curious, based on your interest, you told me that you want to do a project on the, um, the planets. Would you rather write a, uh, a story about these birds and then and and then create like a, a fantasy story instead he goes no that's okay we'll do the planets <laughs> okay. i was like but guess guess what you are going to do you're going to do both because this was amazing and we can take all the characters your birds and turn them into a story and you can bless others like so so anyway i just want to end you're listening our, um, to him and you're modeling listening skills back to him and you're using his receptive and expressive language so people don't realize that's still literacy when you're saying i'm a reading specialist or i'm a dyslexia tutor you're working on their reading writing and speaking yes so the speaking component right and so you know it's just so thankful that I thought to let me just record this so it's all recorded right so it'll be up on the um the Trello board um under our case study that we're doing and uh we'll be able to see it in action right and it was just definitely me just like I'm gonna drop everything right now I feel like I need to be with you and uh it was just awesome it was such an awesome day so much happened on Friday didn't even get to share with you. So for the listeners, um, I think we're going to close unless there's something else that um, we want to say. Uh, we just want to thank you for your time. And uh, if you have any additional questions, you can uh, reach out. Um, definitely 
um, subscribe to all of the podcasts that are connected to this. Um, and anything else, uh, Trish, that they can, uh, ways that they can connect if they want to know more. Um, but moving forward for the next episode, we're going to be, uh, we invited um, um, Susan Bedingfield's daughter, Katie, to come and speak and share her story. So if you know anyone that has a neurodifference and they want to share their testimony and, and um, let us get to know them and um, help them get their story out, we are interested. So we'll, um, we're going to have a um, Google form that you can fill out and that will help you uh, stay on track with what you, you, know, you want to say on our episodes. So with that being said, I think we can Thank say ta-ta for now. Thank you. I'll stay safe and warm. Bye. All right. You too. Happy snow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye.